Hey everyone, welcome to the Tilken Baptist Church podcast. This is Pastor Andrew, and I'm really glad that you're joining us today. Today we're on part three of our series, Mission Possible. And I would really encourage you, if you haven't listened to the second part from the week before, to go back and listen to it because it'll help you understand the context of what we're talking about when I share about our circle of influence. And it's just basically uh, activity that really helps you to chart out how many people you have a godly influence in their life and um, that God may call you to be on mission for, to pray for, to connect with, and to share your life in Christ with. So I want you to encourage, be encouraged to listen to part two. And once you do your circle of influence activity, I would love for you, if you are willing, to share the total number of people. It doesn't matter whether it's five or 50, um, the, the total number of people with us at Baptist at gmail.com. So just send us an email. And um, we had everyone who turned in was a total of 132 people that, that our church has influence in their lives in some way. And so that's exciting because we're a small church. But uh, second thing that I want to really, you know, help you um, understand is that, you know, we are in this series of talking about mission, being mission driven. And this week is really about what does it mean to do good, to live peaceably, to live united as a witness of Christ. And uh, I hope that you will be encouraged by this sermon and that it will help challenge you uh, to being fully as fully engaged in the local body that you're a part of, if you're not a part of, if you don't consider yourself to be a part of our church. And sorry for yawning. It's just been a long day. So I hope that this Monday morning finds you blessed and that you have a wonderful week and that you enjoy this podcast. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And verses 13 and 16. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. People like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, they would have had the opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing to be in a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. All right. Really glad to be here with you guys, and um, I just am so excited about, you know, every week we get to be together, and as we're in this series called Mission Possible, you know, thinking about what God can do through us that obviously, you know, we can't do on our own. And we're going to continue to use um, what we've learned as we move forward in this year where we connect with God. And um, last week we did this, we did this activity 
um, where we wrote down who is in our circle of influence. And if you haven't done it, there's a copy of it up here. I'd love for you to do that and share how many people God has given you the opportunity to have influence over, uh, influence in, to disciple. And just a reminder that discipleship, you know, it means to become more like Jesus in every way and lead other people to do the same. Um, you know, last week you guys turned in some sticky notes of the number of people who were in your circle of influence and the amount of time that you spent connecting with your neighbors. And you know what's really cool is that out of everybody that turned a sticky note in, we have influence with 132 people right here, this group of people. And I bet there is more if we if if everybody turns one in. And and even more exciting is that um, is that we we went from zero hours of connecting to seven hours and five minutes after everybody shared what they did in the last couple weeks. So it's really that's a really good start. And I want you to I want you to be mindful that nothing is insignificant. No amount of time spent is insignificant, and no person that you think about and, and that God puts on your heart is insignificant. Um, because whether you have a circle of five or 50, um, you still have those people that God has placed in your life. So I just want to remind you, you know, our goal this year is we want to have, we want to get to 300 hours of connecting and celebrate that together. And if everyone commits two, three hours a month, then we can make that goal together. And, um, you know, each week you come, we'll have the opportunity to share. But before we dive in today, I want to I want to remind you of the four characteristics of being mission driven, and uh, you know, in, in our lifestyle and our attitude, is number one the evidence of Jesus in the evidence of the presence of Jesus in your life and home. Second, identifying your mission field by understanding your circle of influence that God has gifted you with. And third, finding space within the church and neighborhood to be visibly on mission together. And fourth, investing in the advancement of the gospel around the world. So you might have guessed that this week we're going to focus on number three. Um, in order to begin discussing this element, we must come to the understanding that just like the people who are named in Hebrews 11, that we're exiles in this world. We're waiting for God's kingdom to be fulfilled and for Jesus to return and for us to have our forever home in heaven. See, understanding this doesn't prohibit us from doing good and seeking the good for our neighbors as we pursue the mission field that God has given us, the one that we identified last week and the one that's just right outside these walls right here. So finding this mentality, this place of being, of understanding what it means to be in exile, um, I think that it's good for us to look at people who are actually exiles. So we're going we're gonna to turn today to um, Jeremiah 29. And, you know, the, this was written to the captives in Babylon who had been taken from their homeland and this is what Jeremiah wrote because God commanded him to. 
This is what God says. He said to them, Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, um, build, excuse me, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat that, what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So this idea of, of doing good in the midst of exile, in the midst of being in, in enemy territory. Likewise, you know, in the model of this, of what God told the Israelites, we're not to retreat from the world. Rather, we are to engage it with the mindset that living our lives as a light in the dark is a witness to others. Because, you know, to be a light in the dark, you don't, you don't have to, um, you don't have to have a, a, a blazing light. You just have to have a flashlight. Right? We're called to be witnesses. And Jesus, before he left his disciples in Acts 1-8, he says this, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And now we're going to unpack this passage a little bit this week and next week um, because you know, there's a lot there and I think we're, we're focused uh, this week on more of what it means to be a witness close by. But if Jesus was with us today and he was speaking this word, to us, I think he might say, you know, be my witnesses in, in Tillicum or Lakewood, uh, in Pierce County, in Washington State, or throughout the United States and all the way to the ends of the earth, right? Wherever we are, Jesus wants the witness that we give to be visible, united, and fruitful to bring him glory. You see, to begin to be a witness, you have to be visible. Witnesses are visible within the church and the neighborhood. Um, it means we just show up. And um, and here's the thing is that Jeremiah, in this passage, he told the exiles to continue to connect in relationship and community. He didn't tell them to isolate, and he didn't tell them to be... Um, to, to be going away and not engaging with the rest of the city. He could have, could have easily. So just want to be mindful that we need to show up. He told the exiles to build and to plant. And you know what? A lot of times, you know, if you, if you have ever built anything or planted anything, you know that it takes time to see it come to its final form, to see it come to its fruition. And... And uh, building means that you're putting down roots. Planting means that you want those roots to be made in the soil, right? And so he's saying, put down roots. And many of you have done that. And you're continuing to labor in love for the Lord. And, and just like that, the disciples were witnesses to those around them to bring them into the fellowship of the church. I mean, the ultimate aim of the disciples' ministry was to grow 
the church. And and I think, you know, you look at Pentecost and you look at how 3,000 people were added to their number in one day. Wow, that was a big church, you know, like right from the back. But that wasn't where God stopped, right? He said he, they were trained up and continued uh, to go out into the world and to uh, make disciples. So in this witnessing to others, we must seek to do, we must seek to do good for others. See, Jeremiah told them, told these uh, Israelites to do good in Babylon. The same Babylon that had just carried them off from their homeland into captivity, stolen the, the, the articles from the temple, their most holy articles, and desecrated it, and you know, made them come to a place where they didn't understand the culture, the, the land, the things that would work there. You know, it just it was a whole mess. But Jeremiah called them, he wrote them this letter because God was continuing to call them into obedience, to be a community of obedience to God so that other people would see who God was. He told them to have hope in their captivity. Now there's a great quote here about hope from Bishop Desmond Tutu who he was, he, he lived in South Africa during apartheid when, when, they, when black people were under oppression from a government that really divided people into classes and things like that. And he said that hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. And if somebody who's endured so much darkness can, can say that, I think that you know, we too, if we think of ourselves in exile in, as a community, can have hope because we have, we have Jesus who's the light. So we get to practice, the, the Israelites, they were practicing the common good for the good of others, right? Not just for themselves. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to plant things and build things just so that I can benefit. No, there was, there was an element of this that said, if you do good, and if you pray, and if you bring the act of service into this community that isn't living out the obedience to God that should be happening, then you're going to see blessing. You're going to see things, good things happen for everybody. And that will be a witness. See, that can translate for us into doing good until him, where we, we take time to work together to find a common thing that would benefit our neighbors. Maybe you say, hey, I notice that you know, people might need food, or I notice that you know, it seems like people who are homeless might need a, a, a coat, you know, and, and you begin to identify these needs, and then we get to be active together in our church through service, and, and it's not just this service that we show up to on a Sunday morning for. It's a service where we have joyful camaraderie together and we say, hey, we're gonna, we, we want to help meet a need that we see. And we're gonna do it together. Because I know that as individuals that you do an awful lot. But I think that what 
would be helpful for, for moving forward in the future is to be active together in the community, together, to show them how much we care. Because they don't care how much we know about the Bible or how much we know about the gospel or we know about, you know, a plethora of other things until they know how much we care about them. And that means coming together to show that. See, this action, though, can't just be for the sake of action, right? Our action requires us to rely on the Holy Spirit for the, for the results. And that's because when I show up to do something with God, do ministry with Him, all I'm doing is being available and faithful. And I'm counting on Him to, to make the fruit happen. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts people of their sin or convicts people in a space where they need to be going differently or growing in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes into our life at regeneration to give us a new life in Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us with gifts for exhorting and service. So we need to be mindful that when we show up, if we do it in our own strength, how lasting is it? How much of an eternal impact will, will be brought? But when we show up and we anticipate for God and the Holy Spirit to work through us in these ways, I think that we can be confident that God allows us to, to make an impact, even if we don't see it right away. See, as witnesses, we're united by the church. And not just the universal church, you know, where believers, there's believers around the world, but more, more importantly, um, right now to this message is the local church. See, we're, we're united as a church by um, family, like being a family with the same spiritual values. We, we teach that to our children or grandchildren, and we teach that to one another. We, we have the same spiritual values of putting Christ and his word front and center. And then we remain faithful in the circumstances that come, come along as we are in exile in this world, in this dark, broken, sinful world. And that doesn't mean there aren't good things that are happening, that God isn't continuing to make his peace known, make his hope known. It just means we have to be honest that it's not all butterflies and roses. And that we need each other to get through them. See, witnesses are united through prayer. And like I said earlier, we have Prayer Connect every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And we pray for our neighbors. We pray for one another. We pray for our city and our nation and our missionaries. We pray for a lot of different things going on. And, um, and I hope that you have been taking time this last week to pray for those people who you identified are in your circle of influence. Last but not least, and maybe most importantly, is that we're united through the message of Christ. Because if it wasn't for Christ, we'd just be a social club. We'd just be a group that gets together and has events 
raises some money, tries to do our best, but we're united through the message of Christ. See, the, the disciples, even when they had distance from one another, they knew that they were on mission to fulfill Christ's mandate to be witnesses. And our methods, they might change, okay? Like, it might be really uncomfortable at the end of the service, when I, towards the end of the service, when I say, okay, everybody, get up and share something with, with another person. It might be kind of intimidating. But the reality is that, um, you know, we, we need to not only just be taking in head knowledge, but we need to be connecting with one another at a heart level so that what we're taking away truly, um, you know, encourages each other and it helps us to keep pressing on because, um, you know, people might have had a better week than you, you or I. And it might be a helpful place to hear that God's at work in their life. But look, even if our methods change, the message stays the same, okay? We are committed to Christ crucified. He was buried and raised after three days. And, and we are committed to seeing that influence multiply. We want to multiply our influence in our neighborhood and around the world. Because I, as I look at these young people here, don't be intimidated, okay? But like, as I look at you guys, I wonder, you know, as we get to build relationships with you and get to share Jesus with you, what are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to take the gifts and the passions that God has given you? Maybe it's somewhere else outside of this neighborhood where you'll make a bigger impact than any one of us could where we are, we're at in the stages of our lives. It just gives me joy to think that our influence um, could really stretch far. And it already does, you know, with the people that you have all seen grow up in this church and grow into other ministries and, and other um, spaces where God has called them. So let's continue that. Because as witnesses, we're not just concerned that, that we get the work done, right? That it gets done, that we have the next Sunday service, that we have the next, you know, that we, that we just, you know, are getting the offering plate full, right? We're concerned with the legacy uh, with the fruit of our ministry. And witnesses, as witnesses, we need to be concerned with being fruitful to bring God's glory. See, part of bearing fruit is having relationships. And number one, starting with our relationship with God. You know, the, our fruit that we have in our relationship with God comes through obedience and starting to look more and more like Jesus. Our, secondly, our relationships with people in our circle of influence, um, you know, allow us to love and to love others and to show a godly witness. And then we have our relationships just with people at large. You know, maybe the barista at Starbucks. I love to go to Starbucks. They know me pretty well here in Telecom. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, you know, it's fun to just talk to them about hey, this is, this is my life. This is who I am. And yeah, I share about God with them. And I say, I hope you have a blessed day before I leave. You know, I don't know what, what difference that makes, but I want to believe that 
as a, that, that it identifies me as a person of peace, willing to do good things. And I want you to live as people of peace and to do the good things that God created you for. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says that God created us as his workmanship, that we would go and do th good things, good works that, he's, that he has prepared us for. The next thing, as we're concerned um, with this idea of um, with this idea of being fruitful, we're concerned with the fruit of our labor. See, we want to see a visible increase due to the work that we do over a long period of time. Now, like going back to that idea that these exiles that Jeremiah was talking to would plant and build things, you know, it might take a long time, depending on what the soil was like, or the seeds that they planted, or the things that they were trying to grow, right? But he was saying, keep at it, keep going at it. And it doesn't mean if it doesn't work, keep trying to do the same thing. Because you know that continuing to do the same thing after it doesn't work over and over again is the definition of insanity, right? We don't want to do that. We want to make the efforts that we that we have, if we need to change them, um, to be able to do better, then we can do that. We can pray and brainstorm and work through that together. And then as we have fruit, we, we need to make sure that we're not busy trying to create fruit, right? We're not busy because we don't do that. We need to go forward with this peace that's around us, that's informed by God. And, you know, we might hear this word, you know, hey, everybody needs to have peace and unity, you know, and, and we need to sing, we need to hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, that's not what peace is about. Okay? Peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is the creation of an environment where we can all flourish. And I'm, and I'm really convinced that when, when the Bible talks about peace, about shalom, that it's talking about this idea, this wholeness that God wants for his people and for those who are around them. And Nelson Mandela, he, he shared that quote but I thought it was really timely for where we're at in our culture, that peace isn't just, I'll agree with you, you agree with me. It's making a space where if our peace is informed by God, that, we're, that we want everybody to flourish in, in the aspects that God has created them for that are good. But see, this peace cannot be manufactured. It's organic. It's, it's, it's got to be nurtured. Because we live in a mechanical society. Everything is run by machines or technology. And, and we don't get this idea of planting and building. We get this idea that I'm going to plant something, throw it under some artificial light, and make it um, ten times better than the natural thing. You can't do that with spiritual disciplines. You can't do that with your life in Christ. You can't do that with the relationship with your neighbor. See, people in more agrarian societies, more farming communities, and people who grow their own gardens would understand this a lot better. And that was much of the Bible's original culture, 
It was, was a more um, plant-based society. And so the idea is that peace isn't something that just happens. You don't just get it in a box from Ikea and assemble it. But it's something that must be nurtured. Because when that happens, when we have peace that comes from God, then we've already shown, we already have evidence that our faith is the place that God, that we've allowed God to work from. We're not working from a place of fear or control or making our making ourselves great. You know, we're not trying to grow our brand. No. We're trying to do our labor from a place of faith that it is that is God working it all out for his perfect plan. I'll give you an example. There's a student that this last summer I got to go visit who we used to work with in Portland. And uh, his dad passed away from COVID-19 this last year. And I just got together with him and I wanted to know how he was doing and what was going on in his life. And, and he said, you know, this has been a really hard year because of my dad passing away. Um, he said, but whenever it's hard, I remember what you told me or what you know I learned when I was with you, which is that if you pray, that God will hear you, that God hears our prayer. And he said, I prayed a lot this year. And you know, I don't know exactly where this young man is at in his relationship with God, and I don't think he goes to a local church right now, but I'm praying for the long haul in this young man's life that God will continue to put people in his life who will water the seeds that are, that are in, in there, even if they're deep down right now. So with that, you know, our fruit has a legacy. Our fruit has a legacy. The labor that we do leaves a legacy of multiplication for gospel expansion. And all that simply means is that is that if you are doing something out of faith and for Jesus, it's not in vain. That God honors that. And that you have no idea what the fruit of it might be, but that God is going to use it for his glory. So I have a mentor who, he said this several times to me, but he says, you know, one life will soon be passed. What's done for Christ is what will last. And I truly believe that. That's why, that's why I try. I don't do it perfectly. But I try to make decisions that will glorify Christ, that will be lasting for my family, for my neighbors, for the people that God puts me in community with. Because you see, our legacy, like I said earlier, has the potential to make a global and eternal impact. Do you think the disciples could have, at Acts 1-8, when they're sitting there and Jesus says, but you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? Do you think that they were imagining the church that blossomed from that? I don't think so. I think they were like, well, that seems like a big, a big deal, a lot of work. And there was an explosion that happened of the gospel, and it took them completely out of their comfort zone to places and to people that they would have never gone to outside of being called and commanded to be witnesses. See, through God, 
The disciples turned the world upside down and changed eternity for a countless number of people who were lost. And, you know, I was in Bible college. I had a professor from India who, when he was a boy, he, when he was a young man, he went to the same church that St. Thomas founded in India. That's where he found Christ. And so think of that. 2,000 years of a legacy that's still producing people who are following Jesus' footsteps. And you know what? All of this sounds really good. I mean, at least I think it does. But I'm going to ask you this question of so what? What good is knowing all this information after we last week identified the people who are in our circle of influence? If we only come together to have church once a week, rather than being the church together, through a visible, united, and fruitful display that brings God's glory. It really does nothing. You know, God desires for us to come together in some way, even with COVID restrictions, you know, like to be able to serve our community, to show them that we're here, that we're seeking the good and the peace of our neighborhood that's informed by a love for Jesus. And as it gets warmer, you know, we have this stretch of awning and cement right here. I'd love to think of ways that even if it's after church, you know, or on a Wednesday afternoon or whenever it is that you have that ability that, we, that some of us can come together to find ways that we can do something that would display that connection and that care. You know, uh, maybe we even come together, we can put together some snack bags with some game ideas for families that they could do and we deliver those to people who would take them. Because we've been, I've been going around in the neighborhood with some other people and you know, helping do some of those same things, but I'd love to involve you with me in that. See, um, you know, before we move into application, here are two things that I'd like you to do. Number one, you should have got a sticky note. And uh, if you were able to spend some time connecting with people, I'd love for you to write down the amount of time that that happened for you on your sticky note. There's other ones up here if you want to use those. Um, but I'd like you to write down that amount of time that you spent connecting with other people. And there's also pens if you need one. And then once you've done that, I'd like you to stand up and talk to one another about an experience that you had this last week, um, you know, like to, to apply last week's mission, right? Which was to put the list somewhere in your house that you'll see it, contact one to two people in your circle of influence and catch up and identify what you need to do to grow to be more like Jesus. So I'm gonna give you guys about five minutes um, once you put you know, you're t you can you can stand up now and and talk to people and say, hey, here is how God has allowed me to connect with a friend or a neighbor, and we'll come back in a few minutes and then we'll just have our um, mission for this week. All right, everybody, looks like there's some good conversations and glad to see that you guys are connecting together as well. Um, I've got one more thing for you before we sing our last song. So, this should be on your notes.
But your mission, should you choose to accept it this week, three things. You know, think about a need that is heavy on your heart and that you see in this area, in Telecom or Lakewood. Um, think about what ways that the church can be visible, united, and fruitful in helping for that need and willing to share an idea. Be willing to share an idea because no matter how big or how small, it doesn't matter because the only stupid idea is the one that you keep to yourself. Right? And then lastly, I want you to really continue praying for and connecting with the people in your circle of influence this week. And if you didn't get a chance, weren't here last week, um, I can, if you want to do the circle of influence, I can explain it to you after church uh, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and it's really easy just to fill it out because we'd love to, we'd love to have um, you participate and to be able to know if our reach is even bigger than 132 people. So, and then the reason that's important, right, is because then we know that God is continuing to, to work in us and, and those relationships are a result of fruit that God has given us. Music